You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. May God use and overrule my words. May God's word only be spoken and God's word only be heard. Amen. You may be seated. This is a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them, for then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so that they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But whenever you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I was just saying to Andrew in the, in the vesting room that uh, I realized, I guess it was day before yesterday, that about 13 years ago, on February 17th, I was in this pulpit. And it was uh, a, a Lenten preaching day. Um, and man, I did not know what was going to happen. I affirm that. We do not know what is going to happen, do we? Uh, God is in charge, and we do not know, but it's, it was sort of stunning to realize. And it was the Feast of St. Patrick, uh, and I had just gotten back from Africa and the night before, and I had terrible jet lag. So I'm happy to report that I slept in my own bed last night, and I do not have jet lag today. Um, about 15 years ago, I discovered a long-lost uncle in Austin, Texas. He was the only surviving member of my mother's family. And although we had been close when we were growing up and our families did things together, when my mother died prematurely, very prematurely, just shy of my 30th birthday, I lost complete contact with her side of the family. My mom was sort of the glue 
that kept us in touch with each other and connected across the many years and states that our lives spanned. And over 25 years had passed before I refound my Uncle Junior. And our reunion was as sweet as if we had seen each other last week. It was a true gift from God. It was highlighted by some visits to Texas that I made and a reciprocal trip here to Birmingham to my daughter's wedding, where I remember we danced at the reception together. There were many phone conversations followed and silly gifts exchanged. But then in June of that year, 15 years ago, I didn't get my traditional birthday call from Uncle Junior and no response from him when our Christmas muffins uh, arrived and were delivered. I did not investigate the lapse in contact, really. Rather, I just dismissed it completely. I let that relationship slip down my priority list. I told myself that I would visit next month or I would call next week or I would follow up really soon And months flew by, and after almost a year and a half of silence from Texas, a very distant relative there sent an email saying she had heard a rumor that my uncle had died. Sure enough, you know, the Internet comes in handy. I investigated and found that he had indeed died just after our last Christmas conversation. I wondered, how could they not call me? I mean, they'd seen how the the reunion had been going, and it was so sweet. So I placed a frantic call to my aunt without any success. After several weeks of trying and finding out that her residence was still occupied and her phone was still in service, with no voicemail, by the way, I realized that my aunt had disappeared too. Finally, I called a church that we had visited all together only one time and miraculously found my aunt's friend and learned that when my uncle died, my aunt's uh, minimal dementia suddenly accelerated and became devastating. And when he passed away, she told everyone that she had called me. They all thought I just didn't respond I learned that my aunt was living in a nursing home blissfully unaware of much of her former life. Her friend from church was helping care for her. At the end of it all, I felt like I had squandered the gift that I had been given of finding them again. And I really got a very clear picture of my limits. I read that our sins are like stains on your favorite pastel-colored sofa. Some are small and unnoticeable. Some bleed through the fabric of our entire life, and they wake us up at night, and we wish we could go back and relive them a different way. And then there are those sins we have committed that we probably should regret but we really don't. But we would if our hearts were right. 
Well, today, Ash Wednesday, is always, I think, about restoring our hearts to proper working order the way that God intends for them to work. We come today to pause and acknowledge our sins before Almighty God, not because God is tightly holding on to forgiveness until we confess it, but rather because we need to confess in order to heal and be changed. As Paul tells us in Corinthians, we are being transformed into the image of Jesus by the Spirit. As I look at all of your faces, I see conscientious, able, hard-working people. We all want to know how to love better and also be healed. And like the Pharisees, we will try very hard to get it right. On top of that, we are talented and capable, and those same blessings set us up to sin and ignore it. I've learned that I can sin when I accidentally fall short, when I do something I know is wrong, but I can't seem to help it, or when I deliberately behave as if I am God. I am guilty on all counts every day. Even though we're not able to remove our own stains, we're prone to carry our secret problems till we think that we can make them acceptable to God. It's a very heavy burden, those things done and left undone. Well, I think, you know, it covers a lot of territory. C.S. Lewis wrote, God wants to show himself to each person, but it is impossible to see God if our mind and character are in the wrong condition. Just as sunlight, though it has no favorites, cannot be detected in a dusty mirror as clearly as a clean one, Seeing through our sin, well, it's like trying to see the moon through a dirty telescope. Forgiveness says, yes, you have done this thing, but I accept your apology, your repentance, and I will never hold it against you. Everything between us is exactly as it was before. That is what God consistently offers us this day and every day. Our gospel today is about priorities, and the central priority is God Almighty himself. Someone said, because God is loving and gentle and wants us to choose to freely serve him rather than be forced like slaves, we too often have too many different things to do, and our priorities get really confused. In Jesus' day, practicing your faith in public was about gaining fame and power. In contrast, practicing your faith privately in secret was a sign that you really were worshiping God and only God. Finally, Jesus concludes, all treasure except that placed with our Father in heaven turns ultimately to dust. Only eternal treasure is enduring. Honest but devastating words, but we aren't the first generation of people to have trouble with our priorities. The writer of Hebrews tells me, my hands aren't strong and my knees are weak, but if I walk a straight path, what is lame will be healed. In Luke's gospel, there's a parable about a man that I'm sure you know. 
He knew he was a sinner, and his weak knees carried him to the temple in a kneeling position. And the man knew he wasn't justified by his own merit. He humbled himself before the Lord, and in his humility, he found his roots. Luke contrasts this sinner with a Pharisee who had everything figured out and therefore came to pray, just to let God know that this Pharisee was doing okay on his own. Which person would you rather be before God? One who knows she's okay on her own, or one who knows he can be okay only with God's help. When Jesus, when Jesus tells us in Matthew to have piety or righteousness that exceeds the Pharisees, I think this is what he hopes we will understand. A relationship with God that knows everything depends on God's love, not on our accomplishments or our power. Today, Jesus reminds us that the change God wants in us is not something we see only from the outside, but a heart change deep inside. He says, start in secret with your heavenly Father. I read, a Christian thinks any good he does comes from that Christ life inside him. He doesn't think God will love us because we are good, but that God will make us good because he loves us. Turning to Jesus will nourish the life inside every time. In the heat of the moment when I'm filled with fear or guilt or worse, shame, I forget how much I really matter to God. I forget I'm loved and worthy. I forget that I'm alone. Maybe you know what I mean. In contrast, when I can live out of my sense of worthiness given me by God, out of a sense that I am loved, I find power to reach out and love others, too. But I need a way to speak my worry and my sin. I need a path to remembering that God loves me. That path is called confession, and it leads to forgiveness, to reconciliation and reconnection. So Ash Wednesday is meant not only to remind us that we are dust, which we all have heard those words, and will return to dust, It's meant to remind us that God has a claim on our lives through baptism. So we don't fast or give alms or serve the poor for attention or self-satisfaction. We do those things because they help us face our fears and rely on something other than our own power, namely the gift of our Savior's love and mercy. When I found out what had happened to my aunt, I vowed that day that I would go and see her and I would visit her and help care for her. Unfortunately, I did not make it there before she died. A few months later, I met one of our seminarians at our yearly diocesan convention, a woman that I barely knew. She was going to seminary in Austin, Texas. And she stopped me to tell me that she had been doing her field work at my aunt's church and had visited and prayed with my aunt. She visited her when she died. I realized in that moment, like I try to do every day, that God was doing for me what I could not do for myself, forgiving and healing and making new life. No matter how, we th- how separated we think we are from God and each other, we can always start over. 
The season of Lent is about thinking about that. Ash Wednesday is the reset button. We give thanks today that God has given us a way of living honestly just what and who we are every day. As Fleming Rutledge says, just about the time God puts us in our place, he meets us in that very place. Jesus will not leave us naked in our sin. Jesus has taken our place and become naked on the cross to bear for us in himself the sin of the world. He drew into himself all the mistakes, all the failures, all the meanness of the world so we can start over living life abundantly now. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing you have made and forgive the sins of all who are penitent. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.